0: Hey everyone, I'm David Boyer. I'm an FCA, the founder and managing director of SQL CFO, and I am absolutely thrilled to put together the CA Catalyst podcast for you. For years, I've been looking at ways to climb the value chain as an accountant, to provide more value to my clients, my business, and my staff. And when I heard about CA Catalyst, I got excited, because this is just what the profession needs. The type of disruption that most accountants are facing right now is a once-in-every-few-centuries event. What's causing it? What's driving it? And how do you respond? In this podcast series, Shaping the Practice of Tomorrow, I will discuss it all. This episode is called Future-Proofing the Accounting Profession. It starts with Rick Ellis, the CEO of Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand, who will outline what exactly the CA Catalyst program is, before exploring global trends with Cindy Linferna-Delamotte, an expert in the future of work. And finally, I'll sit down and interview Emma Tibbles, a CA student representative on campus, to find out what future leaders want from the practices of the future. In future episodes in this series, we'll discuss the regulatory environment for public practitioners, where you'll hear an exclusive interview with the Commissioner for Taxation, Chris Jordan. We'll look at tech in public practice, transformation through technology, the value chain and the trusted advisor, and at all times, touching base with practitioners, living and doing this stuff day to day. We'll talk about why it's important to choose to lead with former AFL CEO, Cameron Schwab. We'll discuss business model innovation, where I'll ask practitioners on the cutting edge of service delivery about their service packaging, pricing, and resourcing. And of course, we'll talk about the mindset for growth because without the right mindset, you can't take advantage of the opportunities in front of you. Glenn Bailey talks us through why this is important and gives us some practical tips. And finally, we end with communities because you are not alone. I sit down with CA's own Lee Whitney, who'll explain how and why CAANZ is here to help. And at all times, we'll be checking what the experts say against the experiences of real CAs in public practice to make it relevant to you. But for now, let's get started with the first episode. We welcome Rick Ellis. Rick, thanks for joining us at CA Catalyst. It's a pleasure. CA Catalyst is a really exciting program and a huge opportunity for accountants to connect with service providers, other accountants, and this organisation itself to help pave a way forward. And that is really in response to the changing role of accountants. You've conducted a lot of member feedback, a lot of work listening to members. What do you think the changing role of accountants is?
1: At the end of the day, uh, research um, continues to reveal that the chartered accountant is the most trusted advisor to small and medium enterprise, both in terms of, shall we say, the early phase of those businesses as well as the growth and maturing phase of those businesses. But the reality is that the landscape is changing rapidly in terms of the impact that technology is having on business, both in early stage as well as mature businesses. And so chartered accountants have given that trusted advisor, you know, relationship with those businesses, really has a very strong mandate to be alert to and indeed expert in, if you like, that changing landscape and be able to support those businesses to be successful in the future, not just business but also clients.
0: It's fantastic to see that this initiative is setting a global standard. It's what we like to think that we're good at in Australia and New Zealand. Um, I'm very, actually quite proud of that, Rick, that's fantastic. Catalyst is a lot of things, but fundamentally it's about creating access and connections for people who perhaps heard about this change, are aware of it, but need somewhere next to go. Can you perhaps explain your views on how Chartered Accounts Australia and New Zealand will connect everyone from people who have done it, people who want to do it, technology providers and this organisation itself?
1: Well, at the end of the day, what CA Catalyst does is basically provide a landscape of connection between the profession, particularly you know, in public practice, and the landscape of rapidly developing, shall we say, you know, tech influenced startups, i.e. the future of business. And I've got no doubt that uh, given, you know, the nature of the professional, i.e. a landscape of, shall we say, lifelong learning, that if we provide a landscape of connection, connectivity with technology, with the businesses influenced by that technology and the profession, we're going to have, you know, a one plus one equals three outcome for, shall we say, the future economic prosperity, particularly of Australia and New Zealand.
0: I want to ask a question without notice, but we were chatting about it beforehand, so I hope you're okay with this. And it relates to the skills shortage that many accountants in commerce are struggling whilst building their finance teams and accountants in practice are struggling with whilst trying to build careers of young chartered accountants. And you made a comment to me previously that younger members are looking at advisory work, be it business advisory, wealth advisory, that high-level tax planning and saying, well, I want to do that now. Fundamentally, accountants are a knowledge-based... Business—that is what we do. Can you see that technology is going to enable a better work environment to attract
1: talent? Well, at the end of the day, technology is an expectation in many respects of young talent coming into the profession or basically into pretty much any business landscape. And so, you know, our sense of it, and again, going back to the feedback from from our members, is that the technology landscape is going to be very much at the heart of, you know, the future. I love the CA Catalyst aims to be a connection point for
0: accountants who want to move forward. But why? I mean, sure, a lot of accounting innovation has come from our part of the world. But I was curious to know what else was at play. Was it just about tech? Was it about finding better ways to service clients, motivate staff? What does it mean for what we currently think? of work. I've come to learn that there's such a thing as a person who specialises in the future of work. I sat down with one such person, Cindy Linferna delamotte to find out what the future of work is. Cindy, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure.
0: We're going to talk about the future of work because what happens in the future and enabling people to connect through it is a key part of what CA Catalyst is. Your company specialises in working out what's about to happen. Can you tell us about it?
2: I can. Um, So CoLab 4 is very much about helping leaders and their organisations successfully face into the future of work. And I know that we have been speaking this morning about what actually is the future of work. And to explain it simply, there's three forces at play. The first is technology. The second is globalisation. And the third is demographics. And those three forces are all happening concurrently and they're happening at speed and they are affecting the future of work. And the other thing that I'd say, David, is the future of work is now. We're actually living it now.
0: I was chatting to Rick Ellis, the CEO of Chartered Accountants this morning, and he said that things have never changed as quick as they're changing right now and they'll also never change as slowly.
2: We are at chapter one, as Mali Kanegi said. We are only going to see things increasing and that's why collab 4 really wanted to help leaders by designing some playbooks and some maps to be able to navigate what is a very complex world out there, but it's also something that if you put some time aside, that every leader is going to be able to be capable of learning and finding ways forward.
0: The thing about dealing with the future of work is that right now, there are very few best practices. And in fact, there's only very recent research that's tried to bother working out what best practice actually is. What this opportunity means for us is that we can actually learn a lot from other businesses and other organisations. And a bit later in this interview, we're going to have a chat about a lesson that we can learn from the military. Yes. uh, Where being perhaps too regimented, very similar to some accounting firms, works to the disadvantage of the outcomes of the business, of its shareholders, and of its customers. So let's start with uh, a very, very broad net, the future of work. You've mentioned globalisation, demographics, and technology. Why does globalisation matter?
2: Well, if any of you have heard of that small company called Amazon, if you were to speak to any retailer in Australia, they matter. So we're seeing that no longer are we an island nation. We are being confronted, not just in retail, but in every industry by competitors from the global market. And they are often faster and they are often much better funded than what we are in our um, economy here. And so they are proving to be real competitors.
0: This perhaps is more relevant for our clients than it is for our businesses themselves. Although from a regulatory point of view, globalization is absolutely having a play in how regulation works, um, particularly around AML, which is a topic that we're going to talk about in this podcast series. demographics we know are changing. We're seeing in Australia a much more diverse workforce, and we're seeing a younger workforce that has a different expectation of their careers.
2: I think we're also looking at a lack of talent. And so we're looking to, and this will be affecting your members, they may not have been able to find... Listeners
0: on this podcast, (laughs) our dear listeners.
2: They may not have been able to find the talent that they need to keep their businesses running or to actually stay ahead. And that's actually probably one of the number one impacts of the demographic piece is that the talent is just not coming through. And so there's a new piece that's coming through in future of work and it's called learning a living. And it means that we need to be reskilling our current workforce as well as looking for new talent because we simply can't buy our way out of the current talent shortage, which is a key demographic issue.
0: Can you explain a bit about um, learning your way through work?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So every single organisation needs to be investing Time and money into reskilling, and they need to be doing this in a variety of different areas, and they need to be talking to their people about it.
0: For accountants, reskilling doesn't mean keeping up to date with technical changes.
2: No, it doesn't. It needs to be um, a combination of different things it needs to be technology, it needs to be about cyber security. It needs to be about the way that you actually lead your organisation. And we don't need to reinvent the wheel here in Australia. We can actually learn from global organisations. We see um, the Nordic countries and we see the Dutch um, and even in the UK that they are leading in some of these areas. So we can certainly take some of those examples and experiment with them here.
0: Technology is a topic that people who are in accounting have been hearing about for a long time, be it robotic process automation, uh, automation of compliance tasks, automation of repetitive work, using technology to solve cumbersome processes and very manual driven processes. But you've seen examples where technology becomes a key focus of the organisation beyond supporting admin activities to perhaps make a bit more money on, on our gross margins.
2: I think if you look to some of the digital masters out there, and I'll just name a few, Amazon is definitely one, and we should look at them because they have diversified their business so dramatically in such a short period of time. They're now competing with supermarkets in Australia, they're competing with retailers, they're competing with tech companies that used to sell cloud hosting, um, and who knows if they're going to be competing in um, food very, very soon. But these companies, so Amazon...
0: We know that GoDaddy offers bookkeeping services in the US.
2: That's right. I suppose what we see with some of these digital master companies is that they were born digital and their ability, once they have a user base, is very, very easy to turn their attention to other industries. We only have to look at Google under the umbrella of Alphabet at all the work that they're doing and the moonshots that they are taking. In fact, Google is actually seen as a major threat to some university courses here in Australia because the universities are not capable of delivering enough graduates to Google and they've said that they would actually run their own training
0: I think uh, I'm not sure chartered accountants would like to know that Google's a threat to educational institutions, but I I suspect that chartered accountants will respond in due course to make sure there's lots of quality CAs available to fix what we see day-to-day as a massive skills shortage in the accounting landscape, even while we're actually saying, well, what is the core skill competency of an accountant? Um, Because it's not coding up a bank statement anymore. It's significantly broader than that. These trends are really, really big. The companies that you've spoken about are global giants and it's easy to be inspired by them. It's hard to find relevance to what we do day to day. But the leaders in these organisations are people who we should be able to relate to in the personalities. What do you think the future of leadership is?
2: I think it's absolutely changing and I would say there is a very strong drive to much more open and servant-led leadership What servant-led
0: leaderships are It
2: means that you are actually serving your people and serving your customers, and you use that as an attitude. And if you look at some of the big successful organisations, their leaders are very much moving in this direction. Um, What does that mean? It means that control and command are dead. You start to actually have a conversation with both your people and your customers and potentially even your suppliers as to how to solve complex problems. Passion and purpose and values are absolutely king and these should be driving your organisations. And these are not motherhood statements that I'm talking about now. These are major changes that are happening in organisation that are affecting the way that leaders are running their businesses, engaging their people and actually driving competitive edge.
0: It's a very confronting idea for organisations such as knowledge-based organisations where the primary leader is potentially the person with the most technical competence.
2: Yeah, I don't think that that's going to be the case in the future.
0: Do you need to choose to lead?
2: I think that you need to choose to be part of a leadership group. And I think that's the point going forward is that no single individual has all the answers. And it's about being able to bring the right people to the table at the right time. And often that may be your employees or it might actually be your suppliers or your partners.
0: Definitely being that catalyst of bringing the right resources together to work for the right purpose is absolutely critical. We were chatting before and you told me a phenomenal story out of the military.
2: Yeah. Um, this is a story about David Marguette who was appointed the captain of the worst-performing submarine in the American uh, naval fleet.
0: This sounds like a Hollywood blockbuster <laughs> brief.
2: It's, it's a, an amazing story because I feel like if the military can conquer the controlled and command dynamic, I think, than any organisation can. But what he did is he realised when he took control of that nuclear powered submarine, the USS Santa Fe, that it was flawed by very poor morale and low engagements. And he experienced firsthand how command and control was actually forcing the crew to take his instructions even when they knew it was wrong. And so he really wanted to change the traditional control and command model and add leadership into every level of his ship. And he believed that putting leadership leadership into the hands of his technical experts who knew the answers and were able to experiment was going to be the way forward. They didn't do this ad hoc, obviously, in the military. It a nuclear
0: submarine it, as it, well. It's, it's quite
2: it's, complex. That's exactly right. You know, the leadership were very much providing the mission of the ship and they were providing the guardrails, providing the ethics of what was required. And then they were allowing the crew to be able to experiment, make mistakes, support them and grow. The long story is of this is that at the end of his leadership reign, this submarine was one of the most successful from a retention perspective, actually retaining the talent on that. People wanted to actively work there and engagement was absolutely through the roof. I mean, we've done this in two-minute story. There's, you know, there's some depth to this, but this is well worth looking at. Is
0: depth a submarine joke reference?
2: (laughs) I'm glad you picked it up.
0: (laughs) From Rick Ellis, we heard about how CA ANZ used a research-based approach to develop the Catalyst program, and Cindy has outlined the global trends that are impacting the future of work. What does it mean for our future leaders? Here, I sit down with Emma Tibbles, CA student representative at One Ash University, to find out what the next gen of leaders want. Joining us is Emma Tibbles. Emma is the CA student representative at Monash University, Clayton. Emma and I have crossed paths multiple times and she stood out to me because the first time we met, she filled a notebook full of ideas and came up and asked questions. Emma, thanks for joining us on CA Catalyst.
3: No, thank you for inviting me again.
0: You are a bit of an everywhere, young, aspiring, chartered accountant. <laughs> Just a very direct question. Yeah. What does the future of work mean for you?
3: Yeah. I think that's such a great question because it's on so many students' minds at the moment. Like for me, I've got one year left of uni and it's on my mind at the moment. It's like, I don't know where to start to make sure that I have a career that fulfills all of the things that I want to achieve. But in saying that, I went to a Mindfulness for Entrepreneurs event last night and they said, make sure that you live in the moment. You're not thinking about your future too much because you should be grateful for where you're at at the moment. It's hard because I don't want to think about my future too much in too much detail because I don't know what opportunities will arise because I haven't experienced everything that I want to yet. So I think it's a massive question to ask. But I think I've got ideas and values that I want to incorporate throughout my career and throughout the roles that I undertake, such as I want to incorporate my commerce and accounting skills, but then also sustainability gender equality well-being both mental and physical inclusion and diversity and i think that's a really important aspect for me finding a role that does both
0: based on your experiences so far and dealing with employers you've had the opportunity to deal with some employers throughout the work that you've done with chartered accountants Do you see this in the firms that you have met and do you think that accountants need to change to accommodate an emerging workforce that you really represent?
3: I think the firms that I've been involved with have been quite good on that front because I've made sure that I've gone towards those firms. That's a factor that I look for when I choose who I want to be involved with. But I think in terms of, I'm using quotation like, Rabbit ears, millennials. I think we. <laughs> um,
0: so millennials are allowed to say it like that. Oh, but I older sort of cringe aren't. a bit
3: because there are so many like stereotypes about millennials. Uh, and, I'm
0: uh, I'm the first year of millennial. I'm the oh, oldest wow. millennial going around.
3: Welcome. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, no. I think us millennials. I think we value. The three P's as opposed to the one P, not the marketing P's, but profit, people and purpose. And I think firms really need to understand that by having purpose, that's how they can get great people and passionate people. There's another P, passion. And then that's where the profits can sort of really arise.
0: You go out of your way to put yourself in spaces where you can connect and learn. Can you take us through just this week what you've done? Because you're supposed to be on holidays.
3: Oh, yeah. I like how you use the word supposed to be. Yeah. No, I am on holidays. Um, But I'm feeling quite busy, especially this week. So, on Monday, I was on a student panel for Hester. So, I was just talking about what I think the future looks like in terms of leadership. So, I was really lucky to talk to the leadership team from Hester, which I thought was really valuable because it shows that they're a type of firm that are valuing our opinions and what the future looks like. And then on Tuesday I went to a school up in Hume, so quite far away from me, and I was on a judging panel for students judging what their business ideas were and giving them feedback. And then last night, as I mentioned earlier, I went to a mindfulness for entrepreneurs event and then this morning right after this I'm going to uni to go to a charismatic leadership event which is conducted by Professor John oh, I'm going to, I hope I don't butcher your last name. Sorry, John. John Antonakis, sorry, um, insert, really good pronunciation there, um, from Switzerland.
0: The What you do is find places to learn. How important is lifelong learning?
3: I think students think, oh, school finishes, uni finishes, that's it with traditional learning. But I think learning is continuous. It's career long, it's lifelong. And a lot of firms say that a lot of your learning is either on the job or informal and i think that's the way it should be that's if you're doing something you love you should be actively seeking out things to grow your skills and grow yourself as a person and then potentially even pass on well not potentially i think you should also pass on those skills to other people around you to better themselves and better the workforce
0: Emma, you are describing very much what CA Catalyst (laughs) is aspiring to be for members as a place to come to find out what the next bit of work looks like and to upskill and to learn about new ways of working. There's a lot of exciting events with CA Catalyst that are coming out and I feel that if accountants get involved and embrace this style of learning, they will find themselves as quite an attractive place for people like you to come and work. Emma, thank you very much for joining us on CA Catalyst.
3: No, thank you so much, David. I've had a ball.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of CA Catalyst podcast future-proofing the accounting profession. This series, Shaping the Practice of Tomorrow, has so much more, though. To get involved and to join a conversation about the issues I've spoken about here, head to my CA and join the CA Catalyst community. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. That way, next time there's another episode out, you'll be alerted straight away. My name's David Boyer. It's a pleasure to be your host, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of Shaping the Practice of Tomorrow.